Blog Talk Radio. out there. Welcome to another exciting edition of Rundgren Radio. Tonight is episode seven after being quarantined. Tonight's going to be a really fun show. I think we're we're really going to have a a lot of insight into what happened in that super secret gathering back in 2011 where Todd was a participant, or the star rather, of the My Record Fantasy Camp out in Sacramento. Back back then, wow, that was nine years ago. Ooh. Anyway, uh, we got some, just a few announcements, and then we're going to get right into it because I think we're going to get a whole lot of information uh, out of these campers or insiders, whatever you want to call it. But just first things first, we want to give a shout out to Jesse Grass. Hope that he is on the mend and starting to feel a little bit better. If you'd like to help, you know his medical bills are probably. Sky high by now. Um, there is a GoFundMe page for Jesse Grass, so look it up and give if you can. And uh, if you can't, that's totally fine too. As you know, Chasm Sultan's Utopia, well, and Todd Rundgren too, uh, are unable to tour right now. That's just a right now. Okay, kids, I'm going to sound like the President of the United States here. We don't know when anything's going to come back online, but you know. You know, it's all going to get sorted out eventually. But in the meantime, if you want to support these artists, again, asking for money, you can go get some T-shirts or a sticker button or something like that by going to ToddStore.com or ChasmSultan.com. And uh, they got some neat stuff, so take a look. I do want to mention a big thank you to Tom Jennings, who last night helped your cruiser mail out and uh, snagged an interview on behalf of Rundgren Radio with Cheap Tricks' Bunny Carlos. Uh, it was it was really funny, really sweet. Uh, as Tom said, it, it, he felt like he was just sitting down and having a beer with a friend. Uh, I highly re- recommend you looking it up. It's in our archives. By the way, our ar- archives go back all the way to the beginning. So if you're truly bored sometime, you never know who we have had on as guests. You know, Google them, see if they've been a guest before, and you uh, just might get to hear some funny stuff from me and Doug because, boy, we didn't know what we were doing at the beginning of all this. But we've had some fascinating artists on. So uh, feel free to check out our archives. Uh, as you can tell, Doug's not uh, not here again tonight. He's on vacation. You know what? What does vacation mean nowadays? I don't know. But either way, he's not here. He may pop in the chat room later on, but he's not on the air. Anyway, have a good time, Doug. I hope you're uh, enjoying your vacay. So it's time for me to introduce my co-host for the night. He is a longtime friend of Rungren Radio. He's a bass player 
who also plays in the tribute band Secret Society. You may have heard of them if you'd come to any of our parties. And he, as a bass player and probably I think as a singer, but I don't know, you were fortunate enough to be on the record. Welcome, Bruce Whetstone. Am I here? There you are. Hi. There I am. Yeah. So, first of all, I want to thank you. Lucky number seven. Yeah, lucky number seven. Um, Thank you so much for wrangling all the campers up and getting them on if they they want to be on. Uh, You've kind of scheduled a few of them as to when they're supposed to call in, which is helpful. Um, But why don't you just start off? I think you probably want to give a a little bit of your own story with the My Record Fantasy Camp. So we're listening. I do, I do. I do, I do. Let's uh, let's do something here, Mel. Why don't you open that little door right next to you? We're going to get in the Wayback Machine, and we're going to okay. go all the way back to 2011. You ready? No, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, we just flipped back through all those years, and here we are, uh, traveling west across the plains to Sacramento, California, beautiful Sacramento. Uh, hotter than heck in the summers that's for sure but uh, this was in the winter and it was like January cold 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 correct I had been a VP of information technology at a big outfit that sells cosmetics in San Francisco and I'm not going to mention the name on the air so they won't sue me but I had been (laughs) looking for the latest Todd Rundgren concert tours and itineraries and I happened upon this entry for this thing called My Record Fantasy something. I don't know what it was, but it looked interesting. And I started to, you know, poke around and get some more details. Well, it turned out this guy who uh, was trying to get a reality television show started uh, wanted to pull together um, recording artists that were in the process of creating their next album. He wanted to position that creation of their album as a a platform to bring in fans and then have them compete for spots on the record. So these are musician fans, you know, that that conceivably uh, do various uh, uh, auditions uh, and then evaluate against each other to decide who got on the record. So that was kind of the format for this whole thing. And there was, um, at the time, actually multiple episodes of a Mickey Dolan's version of the My Record Fantasy show. And I think if you go hunting around on YouTube, you could actually find some of those episodes if you're interested. Um, so a little connection there to uh, the Mickey Dolan's and the, the latest tour. Hey, I'm but sorry anyway. to interrupt you. Can you speak sure. up just a little bit? They're they're saying you're a little quiet in the chat room. Yeah, we'll give it a shot. And if this doesn't work, then uh, I'll have to switch phones. Is that, that any better? better? Yeah, yeah. All Yeah. All right. Well, give it a shot. I have a low voice, and you know the frequency doesn't carry as well over the phone as as uh, people with higher voices. You're if, a bass uh, player. That's again, why. There you go. I'm baritone, too. Uh, yeah, and uh, if I did the show on helium, my voice would be high enough. You'd all hear it just fine. 
<laughs> but not tonight. Yeah. All right. So um, the the my record fantasy. Uh, I found out about it in the fall. I think it was probably around September or so, and they were starting to take uh, registrations into October, November, and the price was going to be pretty steep. Uh, I, I think it's okay to say on the radio that for most of us, the price was $5,000 and it was going to be a three day camp in January. Now for the 5,000, there was a lot of stuff that went with that. They were going to be doing all your meals included. Um, there was going to be quite a bit of swag that comes out of this. And we'll talk about that later in the show. If people are interested. Oh yeah. But, um, if you recall, there were the limos, we were going to get rock star treatment. So every morning the limos would pick us up at the venue and take us over to the studio, which is a very nice studio. It's called the Track Shack Studio in Sacramento. It's still there. I went to visit it a couple of years ago just to see if it was still around. And it is. Mm-hmm. But the studio has a very large common room in the center where you could literally set up an entire band and record them live in there. It has a very large uh, board and listening room right adjacent to that. And if you've been to the studio before, you know, it's got the glass in between, double, double, triple layer glass so it doesn't bleed through. And then there were uh, meeting rooms, the boss's office clear down in the corner. There was a very large uh, kitchen area and restrooms and all the work. So pretty, pretty nice layout. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was real fancy and clean and, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot they had a full full kitchen like they were, you know, some catering company or something. It was crazy. And I think, you know, I, I'm pretty sure this is the case. That's probably the first time I met Mel Kane. I'm almost 100% certain, yes. There you go. I was an on the well, part- reporter. I wasn't there as a an actual camper, even though shh, I snuck on and got on the record clapping and yelling. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it works for me. Works for me. Good. But uh, the uh, the turnout, you know, my recollection was uh, between 25 and 30 campers. Uh, not all the campers were people that were musicians, so there were uh, not as many auditions as there were people at the camp. Um, but, uh, we had a pro musician lineup. A lot of people showed up for this. Some of the folks were local, uh, house band musicians from the Sacramento area. I'm going to rattle off a list here and I'm, I'm going to forget some folks for sure. But, uh, just so you have an idea of the kind of talent that showed up for this thing. Of course you had Todd and, uh, his band. So, uh, Prairie was there. Cassim was there. Jesse was there, but you also had, uh, Brett Bourgeois from Bourgeois Tag. Uh, Larry Tag showed up as well because they're both local there in the Sacramento area. Uh, mm-hmm. Mickey Thomas from Starship was there. That was a surprise, I remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can you imagine? You show up for this thing and you're going to a Tag gig, and here's Mickey Thomas. And yeah. then uh, David Johansson, a.k.a. Buster Poindexter, Mm-hmm. who was quite the character and uh, subject of, of some discussions that would go further along. Uh, and then some of the local folks, uh, Jeff Tamalier from Tower of Power, you had uh, Bobby Vega 
uh, who's a bass player and well-known in the Bay Area and around Sacramento. Bobby Strickland was there, as I recall. May not have been there every day. Uh, and then I think we've got uh, one of our guests that's going to be on tonight is Ralph Davies. He was a trombone uh, player for the uh, house band. Uh, he and the owner of the track shack, uh, Chuck Hanson, are in a horn section that plays uh-huh. in bands in the Sacramento area. So we'll hear from him hopefully later in the show. And then, let's see, Michelle Rundgren is there, and I remember even one day Reebok showed up. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I think that was audition day that Michelle was there. Yeah, that was pretty cool because she sat in on a lot of the auditions and was able to give some feedback <clears throat> to the crew, and I think she also helped with some of the decisions when it came down to deciding between, you know, like we had six guitar players, they had to make some tough decisions on who got on the record and who didn't. And so I'm sure she, uh, some of the video I've seen, uh, she was a contributor to kind of help with the decision-making process. Now, this whole thing was set up as a reality TV theme, and it was a four-camera shoot. And what I mean by that is you had literally an entire video crew with a director and four camera people running around with, you know, full-blown Sony handicams. And uh, so every time you turned around, you had a camera in your face. <laughs> now, what they were doing was there would be uh, trying to capture little uh, snippets here and there of people before they went to audition. And, of course, they would, you know, come back again after you came out of the audition room to kind of get your reaction. And they would catch people in the hallway and get – candid stuff. They would uh, um, also check in on the green room where people were just jamming and having a good time. So there's a lot of footage of that. Uh, It captured all of the auditions. And so we've got tons of footage from the actual auditions. And then they also, because of reality TV, they tried to capture what we call panels. So they would take you back in one of the other offices. They had it all, you know, decked out with you get on records and track sack, you know, posters in the back. But then they tried to get you to talk about your experience and what got you to the camp and how are things going. You know, they were looking for dirt, basically. And they also were looking for, you know, is there going to be any infighting here? Is there going to be drama? Are we going to see people getting really upset with each other? You know, whatever they could do to make it juicy for the, for the people that really like that kind of stuff in reality <laughs> television. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, anyway, so that just sets the stage on this whole thing because when it came down to the uh, end of the three days, we had uh, on file in the disc that I got a copy of to uh, wade through all the video, we had 2,100 files to review. Whoa. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, and the uh, the, – total minutes of recorded video, I'm sure we've got the number somewhere, but if you think about it, you've got four people going probably at least six to eight hours a day times three days. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big number. There's a lot of a lot of minutes of footage that we had to wade through. So we'll get into a little more of the story about what happened with the video towards the end of the show. I'm going to save that for, for last. In, in, in the okay, meantime, but uh, the, the sound bites or whatever that we're going to hear tonight are from uh, audio that you that you ripped off of this secret DVD. Yes, exactly. 
there's actually a, a number of copies of the um, the hard disk that was supplied to us by the video company. Um, and there's a story around how we got our hands on that that uh, we'll talk about later in the show. But um, all of the video clips or audio clips you're going to hear tonight are taken from outtakes for the most part. A few of them made it onto an actual DVD uh, from all the footage that came off that poor camera shoot. Okay. Okay. So without uh, uh, further ado, as they say, and uh, yeah. I've had a cold, so if I have to stop and cough for a second, uh, I'll put you on mute so you know what's going on. No, okay, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> it's just a little, uh, so, little hint that we radio folk do. <laughs> yeah. So the setup for our first clip is that um, we'd already uh, a lot of us came in the night before, and so they'd already brought the buses and limos over to pick us up and took taking us out to the studio. And of course, you know, you gotta all file into the big room. There's, you know, thirty chairs set up there and people surrounding. And our host has just gone through his speech and now Todd comes up to explain what the camp is about and what we can expect. Here we go. Kaylin? Ready? All right. Well, without without further ado, this is uh the star of the show. Please welcome Todd Rundgren. <laughs> Now, for your first drum lesson, all right, kids, you know me, I know you. There's none of this introductory crap necessary. Um, but uh, I wanted to explain about the record, so you could first have a little context there, and then also what I'm expecting in terms of trying to get as many of you as possible onto the record. Please, please, mute your cell phones, people. This is video. Um, so uh, Mitch approached me about about doing this, you know, and we're in an age of new models. You know, the old kind of record industry stuff is not as dependable as it used to be. And, of course, everyone knows there aren't so many major labels. Hard to get a record contract, particularly for us more geriatric artists. And... Um, and so Mitch developed this idea, this new model here, a way to get records made, which is to get the participation of, of you people, in this case, my fans, or in Mickey's case, monkey fans. Um, or, you know, <laughs> depends where the project is, I suppose. But, um, and I thought that's a fine enough idea. Uh, the only problematical part for, uh, is essentially that we're doing all songs that have to be familiar to, to most of you people since you're going to attempt to play on them. And, uh, and so these records under this new model usually are comprised of songs that have been recorded before. Now, I have the advantage of having produced a lot of records, so we came up with the concept of finding songs that I produce for other people and doing new versions of them. And, uh, and as many familiar ones as we possibly can. I ran out, and so we got some obscure ones in addition, <laughs> but we do have hopefully, uh, you know, material that's familiar to you so you'll be comfortable when you try and play over it. Then at the same time, of course, it's been arranged in a different way. A lot of the music that I've done, which was done through the 70s and 80s and some of it into the 90s, 
if you go back and listen to it, you know, regardless of the classic status of these songs, they would never appear on the radio today. Like modern music has kind of evolved into a certain kind of thing. And I decided that I wanted to do a record that didn't sound dated. I didn't want to do a record that was literal reinterpretations of the uh, original songs. There's no point in that. So I thought, I want to make a modern record. And I went out and I listened to a lot of music to figure out what's modern today. And it turns out that you know, we're in one of those eras when um, there's no fad in music. There, you know, it's not grunge or, um, or new wave or whatever it was. You know, these very fa various phases of music that we've been through. We're in one of these kind of like nadirs where there's no like big movement in music. And what happens is it's like dance music is always there. And then some fad comes along and everyone kind of pays attention to that for a while. And then the fad burns out. And then we're back to dance music again. Seems like that's almost the foundation of music. So you go out and you listen to what's on the radio. If you watch the Grammys, it's coming up pretty soon. All of these people essentially are making dance records. So I said, well, I've got it. If I'm going to make a modern sounding record, it's going to have to be a dance record. There are certain things that you do to make, th make it more dancey. You know, the bass drum is, very, is a principal element. You do a lot of this four on the floor. But the records are much more interesting than, like, let's say, what was out in the disco era. There's a lot more emphasis on production, a lot more kind of like trickery, auto-tuning, all kinds of like gimmicks and gags that, that you use to make it just more interesting for the year. So it's not just a dance beat. There is something more interesting going on. So hopefully most of you had a chance to listen to the, to the rough mixes that we created for you to play on. And you probably immediately notice that they don't exactly resemble the originals. So in some cases, I'm sort of confounding the, the, you know, the theory here that you're familiar with the songs, so they'd be easy for you to play, yet I've screwed them up so much <laughs> that maybe they're just as hard to play as if you never heard them before. But here's the approach that we, that we want to take. I'm not interested. You know, I, you know, I'm a record producer, by the way. You are? You know, so the way that I approach this may be different than an artist. I'm not necessarily judging everything just on its face value. I'm looking for a place to put things, you know, if somebody has a certain kind of thing that they do and I hear a place that it goes, then that's kind of, you know, the way I operate and what I'm looking for. So in terms of, you know, your auditions for any of these particular songs, first of all, we have a fair number of people here and you would have to realize that we have to audition everyone and then once we decide who's going to be on the record, then we have to record them. So we don't have a whole lot of time to do this. We're going to Try and go through it as quickly as possible. But do keep in mind, this is not like there's a gun to your head or something like that. We really want to see you do whatever it is you do. And if you want us to, you know, kind of approach it a, a little differently, I'm not looking for a literal, literal performance of anything on any of these songs. I want you to just show us what you can do and then let us make a determination about finding a place for that on the record. It may not be on the song you audition on. It may be on a different song. But really, just do what you're comfortable with. Don't try and, you know, do something that's... We're not going to judge it on necessarily on its absolute precision or the fact that you act exactly copied a certain part. You know, we're looking for elan. We're looking for a little spirit. We're looking for... Sometimes we don't know what we're looking for until we hear it. And maybe one of you will, will produce that thing. 
And as I say, there are songs that you haven't heard, and we may wind up using your talents on something else when we actually get to the recording. Um, and, and again, we'd love to have everybody participate in, in some way, but the, obviously that isn't the object. <laughs> it, it, otherwise, I wouldn't bother to record everything, anything. You know, I would just have you play all of it. Um, so uh, we have uh, uh, some familiar faces here, obviously, to help you along. You know, in other words, uh, if you want to play the bass or the guitar, we have our guitar and bass specialist, which we will introduce shortly, um, who will help to give you a little coaching. And especially because I've worked with them, they'll give you some insight into, into possibly what I'm looking for. So. Um, so take advantage of that. Take advantage of, the, of our coaches, essentially, and, and the cues that they give you. And, and as I say, otherwise, just kind of don't be too self-conscious about what you think is going to please us. Do what you do and let us just judge it. And, um, and hopefully many, if not most of you, if not all of you, <laughs> well, I say there's some limitations in terms of time, but, and that would be, you know, to have an embarrassment of riches, of course, that'd be a shame, but it would be great if all of you were great. So, um, so best of luck, everybody. We're going to get down to the nitty-gritty of this in a little bit, but first of all, I guess we got some more people yeah, to meet, wanna, don't we? you want to make some introductions? You sure, who's in that, who's in, <laughs> come on down, I don't even know who's in the hole there. Who have we got? Oh, Kaz and Salton, of course. Jesse Grant, Prairie the Prince, of course. So obviously the finest in the business, the finest <laughs> that, our, uh, that our business has to offer here. And um, we'll be here all week. We'll, we'll be here all week. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, come on down. We won't. All right. And, uh, I, you know, you're kind of like when your audition isn't up, you're kind of free to just, like, wander around, check out the vibe. So I would recommend that you don't try and make up your entire tuition at the free bar in one day. <laughs> but, uh, but, but you're perfectly free to celebrate right, after you've right. given us a Bafo performance. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> the free bar. You like uh -huh. that? You like that? <laughs> that was that's right, you know, because they were free pouring, man. You could have as much as you wanted. So, you know, the the problem was if you tanked up before your audition, obviously you were going to be a little sloppy. Uh, so, you know, you wanted enough to take the nerve edge off, but not so much that you couldn't play your instrument. But, yeah, uh, I think that's what he was referring to. Do you do you remember uh, when <laughs> shortly? After this, I think, was when they started playing a, a little bit of Todd's already pre-recorded tracks. And even Chasm and Jesse and Prairie, I don't think they had heard it before. And it just, everybody's jaws just fell straight on the floor. That's exactly what happened next. Now, you know, it's hard to capture that on audio. Uh, there's definitely video of it on, on the um, hard disk and on the DVD. But, yeah, so the next thing after this was he said, should we play through the songs? And everybody said, yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. So he starts playing through, uh, you know, I think it was um, two out of three ain't bad. He played uh, uh, Prime, time. Prime Time by the, yeah, by the tubes. 
He played Love My Way. And we're listening to these and going, oh, my God. They bear no resemblance to the originals yeah. from the original artist. And and the um, the hard facts of the matter at the moment, uh, in that moment, were that the organizer had sent out to us literally a couple of months in advance, hey, these are the three songs or four songs, whatever it was, that we're going to audition on. So you might want to bone up on these. Well, in that moment, we're all sitting there going, I just spent three months, you know, practicing this song, and it's absolutely no use to me whatsoever. These arrangements are so different. They're in different keys. The beat is different. Uh, <laughs> now what am I going to do? Now I should not be I laughing. I really shouldn't, but at least I didn't have to audition. But <laughs> I could tell all of you guys were just scrambling. Well, that takes us to our next clip, and this is going to be um, our one of our friends, I think, was uh, – Roy Swanson, wasn't he a, a scholarship winner for Rundgren Radio yes. for this gig? Yes, he was. Yeah, yes, and was. and also on this clip will be uh, Robert Warwas, who was also one of the other bass players that auditioned. And then uh, your friend and mine, James Van Wert, who's the lead singer for Secret Society. Okay, let's go. Really? master plan. Well, we're we're doing strategy right now based on our the the uh, what the, the sample track that Todd just provided. The new information. Yeah, the new information. So the strategy is changing. We are throwing everything out that we thought we knew, and we're now trying to figure out how we're going to approach the audition. My plan is to rock on. <laughs> My plan on is hard. change instrument probably. <laughs> I'm gonna, I may go from bass to guitar. I'm going to start drinking at least one hour earlier than I had originally planned. That's right, to get those vocal swoops That's for right. the hip-hop sound, there right? you, you got to go... Sh- and hold your hands in the air. Anyway, we did just find out that it's going to be sort of a dance groove or sort of a dance feel to these songs, which it, it does change, you know, sort of your approach to the music. But um, it's going to be cool, it's going to be fun. Because it's totally up in the air, and all like there's no right or wrong way to do this because it's never been done before. (laughs) So we call this plan C. Plan (laughs) This is called hopping off the back foot. (laughs) It's called a real gig. (laughs) Bring what you got and go with it, and you know we're hoping for the best, right? Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. That's the thing. It's going to be a kick. Todd's got a great attitude. I mean, you can tell he's really he's he's just looking for people to have fun and be original and just you know do what they love and he can feel it. So he knows. But the great thing is everybody found out at the same time that this thing is completely not what we expected. Yeah, Todd made the assumption that we had heard the uh, the the rough rough tracks. And which we had. There was a collective gasp in the yeah. room. <laughs> my, my foot's going. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like a whole mm-hmm. lot of nervous laughter there. Oh my God! Yeah, and uh, I was I was right there with him. Um, and there was a little side story there right after that because I'm scrambling to figure out where can I get my hands on that rough cut. You know, can I go into the uh, to the booth? and talk to the engineer, see if he's got it on, you know, USB key or something, you know, MP3, anything, so I can go listen to this before audition time. And uh, so as I'm asking around, all of a sudden, uh, Prairie speaks up and says, oh, I've got it. I've got it on my iPad. So I go, Prairie, please, 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 can I borrow your iPad? He says, yeah, sure, man, no problem. So, ah. so I 
running off with Prairie's iPad and go back to Chuck's office in the corner. And so there's photos of me somewhere in Sacramento B photographers following us around taking pictures uh, of me standing in Chuck's office uh, with headphones on listening to this new cut of primetime by the tubes in the totally different dance beat. And I'm scrambling to do the best I can to get this thing uh, under control before audition time. But anyway, that's a story for a different day because it then took, uh, I think it was not the, even the next day, but it was in the morning of the third day before I finally got up to do some recording. But anyway, uh, next thing up, and kind of into sequence of things, once he you know, laid out what we were going to be doing is actual auditions. And some of the first ones up were the drummers. And so our next clip is actually kind of a sample of one of the pre-audition interviews that they would do. So, you know, as people get ready to go in and do their audition, they would line you up in the control room and have the camera there and we'd have Mitch there, you know, interviewing. And so this uh, next cut, I believe, is our friend uh, David Zimelis, the drummer, and this is his pre-audition interview. Let's get this show on the road. All right. All right. David, if you could just real quick yeah. tell the camera how you're feeling right now, like what's going on in there. Strangely calm. Um, I feel real good, actually, that we're all on the same level, that the, it's an arrangement we don't know. We're just all going to be on the same, the same playing field, and I'm just going to go out there and give it my best shot and bring my A game and let the chips fall where they may. All right, and then can we get you with Mitch real quick? Yeah. Stand right there. You're really tall. You're really tall, and I'm really short. Okay. Okay, so is that good? Yeah, you're really short. All right. You guys ready? All right, so I'm here with David Zimelis. I'm here with David Zimelis. David, where are you from? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. So you came from a great distance. Yeah, I drove. What do you do for a living? I'm a paralegal and legal assistant. Really? Yeah. You like that job? I do. Really? Yeah, I work for my wife. Not, do you play in a band? Or? Yeah, I play in a band. I play yeah. a, a covers band down in L.A., and we play around. And what kind of stuff do you play? A classic rock covers band. We play in a bar in Burbank cool. and have a great time. Really? I've been with them for yeah. 11 years now. So. Next time I'm down there, I'll have to go check it out. Okay, Please so, do. Please so do. you're on drums? Yes. And you're going to do? Prime time. Prime time. Yep. Check it out. All right. Forget him. David! <laughs> Oh, Bruce, this stuff is wonderful. Um, I, I don't know if the listeners out there it. realize that none of this has been heard by really no. any uh, any fans or anyone other than the campers themselves. Uh, so That's this right. is very, very exciting. Yeah, there were all sorts of issues uh, trying to spring loose this footage, uh, and, and we'll talk about that later if we have some time. Um but, yeah, that's the problem. I mean, uh, a lot of the folks that I've talked to just over the last few weeks at Cassim's uh, gig, I was explaining about uh, My Records Fantasy, and they're going, what was that? I, I, I never heard of that. I don't even know what that was. So that was kind of the motivation to get some of this material, drag it out, and see if we could pull together a show to kind of talk a little bit about what happened back then. Because some of it's really great material. This is it was a lot of fun. This three-day thing was so intense. Um, and, and just aside at the moment here, I'll take an opportunity to say the people that attended this were top-notch. I mean, these were some of the, the most talented 
musical people in the Todd universe came to Sacramento to do this. They, they you know, said, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I just have to do this. Uh, even though, you know, it was a challenge for them economically, travel-wise, get away from their work, get away from their family to do it, they had to do it. And um, the bonding that occurred, the kind of the camaraderie that occurred during the three days was so amazing. Here we are, nine years later, and we have, you know, lifetime friendships that came out of that camp. So Indeed. It, yeah. Well, you could you could hear it there at the end of that uh, last clip. Uh everybody was rooting for everybody. And uh we were like, "Go team. Go on." You know, it was it was very exciting and and the vibe was pretty amazing. Those were some intense 3 days. I loved it. It it was and that's, you know, at the at that point we're starting to get the inkling that uh, you know, the the producer's idea of trying to pull together a reality show off of this material was maybe not going to work because you got people that literally they're all rooting for each other they're not you know claws out trying to figure out okay you know how am I going to sabotage this guy so he you know fails and doesn't make the audition that I do ha 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 you know it's yeah like, yeah right Robert go for it David man hope you do get out there and kill him man go for it so yeah, it was it was starting to become obvious that oh man, this is going to be a little bit different than the Mickey Thomas or the Mickey uh, Dolan's series that they were working on. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about yeah, this so next. Before we, yeah, so before we get um, into some of the other things that happened during the camp, uh, one of the things that the reality TV format needed was they needed to see kind of the coaches working with the participants. So this next clip is, uh, I picked the drummer pep talk. And so this is um, probably just before David went out to actually do his audition. Before David Z. Yeah. David Zimmer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's play this. Okay. This is the drummer pep talk. <laughs> Yeah. Have a good time. Don't try to stick to it too much. Mix it up if you want. In 20 seconds, just explain it to them. Just like that, really fast. Have a good time. Let's do it. You know, just give us a lead out. Smile, fucking really simple. You know, I always hated that when somebody just, the only advice they gave me was, have a good time. Oh, no, 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 no. That's it. Okay. Don't, you just said, don't follow the beat too closely. I don't know. I know what I said. So I can say it again. All right, you good? Yeah. All right, cool. Okay, I'll. All right, guys. Roger, you good? Okay. This is reality television. We're not going to be satisfied until someone's in tears. All right? It might be you. It's going to be me. It's going to be probably him, yeah. You're fired. All right. So the whole idea is, you know, we know you're not familiar that familiar with the particular arrangements, and especially for the drummers, you know, it's really not that important. We want to hear what kind of groove you lay down. We want to hear how you respond to what you're hearing as well. And again, it isn't about winning the spot on this particular song. It's the song that you're comfortable playing. Well, I may hear what you play and realize, oh, this would be great on this other song. And then if that happens to occur and we have the time to do that, then we will tell you what that song is. <laughs> it's all about the feel. It's a, yeah, but feel. it's really about, you know, you just like, 
close your eyes, forget we're here. You know, just have as as much of a of a musically musically good time as you can have doing it because we're really not. It isn't like your, you know, college orals or something like that. You know, we're really just trying to figure out how we can use you. We are not Buddy Rich. <laughs> what do I get? Clam. 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 What are you, high schoolers? <laughs> All righty. So, uh, David, I guess you're the first up. You are a brave man. All right. We're going to dive into this cold water. Um, on behalf of everybody. But first, we need to make sure we have a sound for him to hear. Oh, so. and also, you know, that the drum stool is at the right height. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, sit down. Sorry. Try to fix Get comfy. yourself up. Okay. Get yourself fixed up. Don't play on my Don't play. <laughs> There you have it, folks. The man himself. Yeah. And that was just one of many pep talks uh, that we had during the week. But we had to give you a sample so you kind of get a feel for the uh, – for the format, but uh, I think we actually have uh, David in our studio audience, don't we? Well, I don't know. I asked him his zip or area code. Yeah, three one zero. Three one zero. We don't have a three one zero. He was there. Well, maybe it dropped off. Oh dear. Let me let me refresh. You know, technical crud here. Oh, now he's on 505. Oh, I've got 503. Close enough. No, 503 would be Portland. Uh, 503, David? There we go. He can't type. He's in the chat room. Okay. Here we go. We've got him on the line right now. Hey, how you doing, David? Hey, hey guys. How you doing? What'd you think of hearing yourself on Run Run Radio just now? Uh, Well, I'll I'll tell you, Mel, it was... um, I didn't remember a lot of that happening because I was, I said I was strangely calm, but I was nervous as all get out. And, you know, it was just, everyone was in the same boat. So I, I knew that I had company, but it was, um, it was, you know, when, when he asked for a volunteer for the for very first person to audition, I just raised my hand because I figured, good, I want to get it out of the way and enjoy the rest of the time here. So, you know, I was nervous, but it felt great. Everyone was indeed there for everyone, and everyone wanted everyone else to do to do great. And it mm-hmm. sounded cool to to hear myself on on the show. <laughs> so, have you have you and Bruce spoken much since in the last 9 years? Uh, well, we it have like we've traded, yeah, traded emails and yeah. messages a bit. Yeah. And we did meet um when the DVD was coming out. So, but oh, it's been, yeah. you know, yeah. being on on Facebook with folks and just keeping in contact the 21st century way. I guess that's what people do now. So, uh, yeah. So it, there's, it's great. There've been quite a few people I'm still in contact with regularly from the from the event, and it's terrific. Yeah, David cool. was a member of what we call the Shadow Team. That's going to be in the show later if we have time to talk about that but he was uh, one of the key people that was instrumental in getting the the video uh, footage sprung loose from the uh, production company so we'll talk about that a little later in the show but David is one of our shadow team members <laughs> well David yeah. do you have any any 
quick little story to tell before we move on to our next clip? Um, a, a quick one, no, but I, I will just say after nine years, what great memories I have of those three days, uh, the gratitude I have for making, as Bruce said, lifelong friends and the chance to see them when in the rare instances when, when our paths cross. And I had no idea Rundgren Radio existed until that, those three days, and I just thought that was the most amazing thing I'd ever heard in my life. So <laughs> props to you, Mel and Doug. Um, I'll hand it back to you and fight the good fight. Okay. okay. All right. Thanks for being on oh, the show. Oh, I appreciate you calling in. You um, oh, certainly. Because uh, it was pretty cool in introducing you and then doing the pep talk. So good to talk to you. Same here, Mel. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So All right. we've now already now had kind of... now another star. So, um, very cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, you kind of got the feel for how this thing flowed and, you know, some things we had to do. But at some point in the day, we had to go take lunch, right? So, you know, here come the big buses and the limos and the, the kind of the party bus type thing. And we all load up and, and go to, I think the first day was someplace called Bella Brew. And we pretty much took over the whole place because there were so many of us. But um, after, you know, we had. Uh, some of our lunches and, and drinks, um, then uh, our host or our hero had to sing for his supper, so to speak. So he mm-hmm. and Prairie went over to the side and they handed um, Todd a guitar. And Prairie didn't have any drums, so he took like uh, one of those, uh, what is it, ice buckets and yeah. some glassware and some silverware. And they hacked out uh, kind of a acoustic version of one of Todd's songs. So that's our next clip. Okay, yeah, that was a funny place. Y'all, y'all need to understand, this was not a fancy restaurant. It was one of those kind of a, almost like a Subway sandwich place. So uh, great food, though, as I recall, but it was concrete floor, you know, no frills. So this should be really good. Here we go. Oh dear, yeah. I feel like I'm busking in the subway here. Prairie, you got a hat or something we could put out there and collect a few extra dollars? Everyone contribute? <laughs> okay. None of this material will surprise any of you. It's my standard fallback. All right? Especially if you're waiting to eat until I get finished.
patrons were thinking, you know, not only did these, this weird group, big group comes into this restaurant, but <laughs> then this rock star looking guy just starts playing in the middle of the room. It <laughs> must have been yeah. a shock. It, it, it had to be a trip because, you know, and we had the cameras rolling the whole time too. And you got these guys dressed up in no company or for the, for the you oh, know, yeah. party bus. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. What a scene, you know, it's like uh, filming a movie, you know, on vacation or something. It's strange. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. we we have our, uh, some two special guests that have, have been lined up. Uh, they are both holding at 916 area code. Uh, Bruce, this is your, your deal. Do you want to go ahead and take them now, or do you want to continue with Yeah, the- let's do that. Let's do that because they've been waiting a while, and I'd hope to work them in at around the 40 okay. slot. And so, um, okay. Let's the order here a little bit. Let's take um, our first guest is uh, Mike Martis, who I'm sure the campers on the, on the call will remember. Uh, Mike was uh, pretty visible throughout the three days, and I'll probably get wrong. 
Okay, 916, you guys are on the air. Hello, this is Mike. Mike, hi. Yes. Hi, Mel. How are you? Hi. Can you guys hear me okay? Doing great. Yay. Everybody's right. safe so far. Be safe. Okay, so we've got Mike Martin. Um, hey, hey, Bruce, I'll tell you what. Um, they're saying that, that your phone sounds worse than mine, so why don't you hang up and call back in and press 1, okay? Okay. All right. So right now, our special guest from the 916 area code, like I was saying, is uh, Ralph Davies. He was a trombone player in what Bruce referred to as the house band. Uh, yeah, right then we Yes. Okay, good. And then we've got Mike Martis, who was uh, a member of the production support team. Mike, you were kind of our go-to guy as campers you you kept us calm and sane and liquored up and all kinds of stuff <laughs> in a manner of speaking yes that's my job i'm back now yeah well how did you how'd you get a job to be part of the production support team did you work for the studio no i actually was retained by mitch flores who uh was the, the uh produced the camps he was um the president so to speak, of my record fantasy. And um, Mitch did three of these camps, as you know, first with Mickey Dolan, second with Mickey Thomas, and then the Todd camp. And uh, he and I actually had ties with Tower Records. My father worked for Tower Records, and Mitch had worked for Tower Records many years ago. So uh, we had run into each other, and he invited me to the Mickey Dolan's camp, as a performer, actually, I did a little. I do a little bit of stuff in a, a Rat Pack tribute band. So, so I was there for that, and I'm in the field of advertising and and um, uh, event management. So he asked me to join the staff for the second show and and the third as well. So that's how I got into the into the uh, picture as far as the Todd Camp went. And um, so I experienced it from both uh, the, the nervous. A potential artist on on a, on a record, and I did actually make it onto uh, Mickey Dolan's uh, uh, record, which was a great thrill. Uh, but had just as much fun being on the other end for both the Mickey Thomas and the Todd shows. Mhm. Well, we've got Bruce back. Bruce, do you have any any? Uh, you, I'm sure you want to say hi to Mike and and ask I him. I do. Stuff. Yeah, Mike has been a long time. Hi, Bruce. Here. Hope you hope yeah, you're doing well. Yes, I am. Is, is my you vocal better, uh, Nelly? Yes. Is my yes. vocal you're not, you're a little better? Yeah, I think Blog Talk is having a little problem tonight, but uh, okay. we'll push through it. I'll, I'll try to speak I loud. Hear, I so hear it you. Comes through I, better. I hear you fine now, Bruce. You were cutting out pretty bad. Yay! You're fine now. Yeah, Mike, for the for the people on the on the uh, chat room and on on this. Uh, edition of Blog Talk Radio. I was just curious if you could recall anything from the camp that was uh, kind of a, shall we say, more challenging moment, either with one of the uh, rock stars or with the campers. Well, all right. Uh, ten years. The, the bad things tend to tend to fade away, and I remember mostly the good stuff. But there, you know, you, you do recall some of the things 
the, the clip that you just played with Todd at a local uh, cafe, Bella Brew, uh, the thing I remember about that is that we only had one microphone, and Todd had to sing and play acoustic guitar into one microphone, so he had set it up down at uh, down by his guitar, so he leaned down into it for his vocal, and his glasses kept falling off. <laughs> He's pushing his glasses up <laughs> constantly, and and as as one of the show producers was like, "Geez, we we, we need another microphone," uh, just for you know, it felt bad for Todd, but um, there there were, you know, my job was to try and make the experience. Uh, it, it, execute as well as possible to make all the campers happy and get the most out of their experience. And, and it's uh, not always easy. And, and as, as you guys found out, it's a, it's, this was the third show. And really, um, had it been the 20th, I'm sure it would have gone a lot smoother. But we were still working out the kinks and, um, you know, uh, uh, taking on various challenges as we went. Um, I do remember the uh, one one memory that does stand out is is pulling up to uh, the venue on night three, which was the big finale concert at Strikes Bowling Alley up in Rockland, and uh, yeah. we had a local uh, uh, guy, Skip Majority, who skips music at the the very large music store uh, here in town. He was doing the back line each night. And we got up to uh, strikes in the afternoon for to to rehearse, and uh, there was we walked into the place with the limo full of you had Todd, and Chasm, and and Prairie and Jesse and everybody was was loading in, and and uh, I went up to Skip and they said, "Are we ready to go?" And Skip said, uh, "No, we just got here." So. So he said, oh, oh, when do you think we can get on? <laughs> when do you think oh, everybody can get on and, and, and rehearse? And he said, well, it's going to be a few hours. And as you know, the show was, was uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit of a drive back to Sacramento to Rockland. It was, you know, roughly 45 minutes. That's without traffic. And uh, it was just going to be a logistical nightmare with, with that being the case. And, and so I had to... Um, Take a minute and say, okay, how are we going to do this? These guys are not going to be too happy about not being able to rehearse, and we aren't going to load up and come back to Sacramento. So uh, ultimately, I had to divide the musicians in two. I, I took the guys who I felt would be the most understanding under the circumstances, and I said, how about some bowling and some beer? Uh, maybe some pizza. You guys have one. Let's kill some time. And they were great. Um, and, the, and, the, and the others, uh, Todd and David Johansson, they they were able to set their gear up a little quicker than two or three hours and get them a, a rehearsal in and then send them back early in one limo. We also had the challenge of, of the, a second limo that we had with the company we were using wasn't available that afternoon. So, so we had to hold guys over, wait for the limo that took uh, Todd and a few others back to Sacramento to get ready for the show after rehearsal, then come back out to Rockland, pick up the guys who were still remaining, take them back to Sacramento. We had about 20 minutes to turn around and get back and jump back for the show. So so the, 
half of the guys had 20 minutes to jump into their the, 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 their hotel room, change, and get right back in a limo and go back up to Rockland. That was frightening. Uh, once that was finished, um, I think I had a cocktail. Uh, that, that, that. Just one? Just one? Uh, maybe maybe yeah. two. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, that was the way to end the show with some fireworks. But the, the concert went off great, I, I, from my recollection. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was really it was really cool because the the place was packed. The general public was able to come, but uh you guys had reserved the front row for for us special campers and you sort of paraded us in in front of everybody which that felt really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as I said, you know, a lot of you came from a long ways away. Um and this was by far the most Serious camp as far as uh, as far as musicians, you know the, the Mickey Dolan's camp was a lot of it was basically stand oriented, not really um, a significant amount of musicians. And mm-hmm. Mickey Thomas was sort of the same, but you guys were serious uh, Todd fans and and uh, and players, and the competition yeah. was pretty stiff. And and that that was fun. It was a, it was a whole different tone than the other two camps. Gotcha. So we wanted to make things you know go as smoothly as possible because we knew that you guys were were taking it seriously and weren't just necessarily happy to be there, although you were. But it was uh, it was a little more than that. Well, we missed out on that whole drama. You know, uh, you made it look like it was uh, you know smooth sailing and piece of cake. I remember you know we got to go bowling too, and we even had little contest amongst the various camper teams for who would get an autographed uh symbol uh you know winners and losers i think uh susan leonard who may be on the line uh actually was uh a winner of one of the uh absolute low scores not to embarrass her publicly but uh hey at least she won a prize out of the deal um we had a lot of fun doing it tons of fun doing it and uh yeah, thanks for being on the phone though, because I didn't know that whole story about logistics on on the strike concert. What a what a mess! Yeah. yeah. Well, for, fortunately, I'd done just enough events where there'd been a few glitches that I, I put that experience to good use that day. Because, like I said, when I walked in and and uh, the, the guys doing the back line said uh, we just got here, I knew that. Um, I had to do something and do it fast, and it was not a good feeling. <laughs> and I well, couldn't it, show it, anybody. Yeah, it, it explains some of the the footage though from the cameras now that I I never understood what some of the comments were on the uh, on the footage, and now I and now I know there was a lot going on in the background uh, that night. So yeah, Ralph, said the show itself. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. You you go ahead, Mike. Oh, I was going to say, the show itself, I thought it, it came off uh, without a hitch. Uh, once once it got to be, you know, the lights went on, it, uh, it was just the, the time leading up to it was a little, was, was something I, uh, at a time I wouldn't care to go through again. You got it. You know, thanks for being on the right. show. 
I was just wondering if oh, my uh, pleasure. Ralph, you're on the phone as well. And we're gonna keep Mike if you wanna stick around. Um but yeah, Ralph, sure. you got to you got to play on, on the stage that night and in fact I stole a piece of your sheet music uh for uh David Johansson's Hot Hot Hot. Did you know any of this drama was going on earlier in the afternoon? Uh no, no, I didn't know that. Um I, I got there later than than they uh, the other musicians too um, that were that were going to rehearse of course so I didn't show up until five thirty or six um, but you know I was listening and and you were talking about Bella Brew the uh, the, the Tuesday um, jam and God I felt I felt so embarrassed because. Um, they had a guy, one of the guys that were in charge of equipment and, and enabling, um, uh, the, you know, bringing all the equipment was a guy named Abel. And and so I was, I was kind of tagging along with him and trying to help him out because he seemed to be like uh, kind of spun and not, not, really, not really hanging in there. So I said, yeah, I got, I got a PA. And um, it'll be just perfect for the small venue, and all that. And so I get down there. This was this was the Tuesday uh, lunch thing at Bella Brew. And I get down there with the equipment. I set it up. I'm I'm all plugged in and everything like that. And Abel forgets to bring the instrument mic. And so he uh, he had a, an acoustic guitar that didn't have a cable. And so it, like like I could say it, he had. To, he had to play the guitar into the mic and singing it too, and you know, I was I was I was just just slightly embarrassed because I I was the guy that brought out the the PA and then I didn't have an instrument mic for him. But um, other, other than that, um, you know, I I just have to say, I knew I was in Never Never Land when I found myself the Sunday before the camp started. Sitting, sitting at the at the bar at the um, kitchen at, at the Track Shack Studios, watching a Jets football game with Todd sitting there signing drum skins. I mean, I I, I just knew, okay, I, I'm there. I'm there now. And then, you know, people are just talking, and we're having nice single malt uh, scotches and and drinking and having fun. And all that stuff. This is before the whole camp started, so you know I was involved with all three of the, the my record fantasy camps, and um, they were all just uh, a mind blowing experience for me. I mean, I'm in a monkey for that. You know. <laughs> yeah. That's great. You had two monkeys, and and it was really you know I got to play with with, with some you know, rub elbows with some really big. In, in rock and roll, you know, and it, it was like I said, just mind blowing. Um, you know, I, uh, with the Mickey Thomas one, uh, the My Record Fantasy uh, number two. Uh, you know, the people I really remember talking with was uh, Leif Garrett and and uh, Alex Leijerwood. What a dude! He was he was a great guy, and I I got to meet Andrew Gold. You know. The the guy that wrote uh, Lonely Boy, and and there was just you know all kinds of things. I met the guy 
who wrote um, Green Eyed Lady, um, uh, Jerry Corbetta. Oh, cool. And, and which was you know, pretty incredible. Um, and that was in the first one with Mickey Dolenz. So I tell you, I've been a fan um, of Todd's uh, since uh, 72, 73. And, and of course, back then, in my 14-year-old body, I was like, you know, just totally taken by it, you know, progressive, wannabe hippie rock guy. But I play the trombone. So, you know, I, I, I was brought up on jazz and, you know, pet band stuff and all that. But, I, I you know, I really enjoyed uh, my rock and roll, too, progressive especially. And the weirder is the better. And and so when it, when I heard that Todd was going to be here for the third thing, I just I couldn't believe it. What luck! Um, cool. I, I just was a, a friend of um, Chuck Hansen's, the owner of the studio, and we had played um, played in a horn section um, with a, a local band here for um, quite a number of years. And um, you know he's he's always been a great friend and a huge patron of the, of the music uh, around here and has this beautiful studio there. And so I guess we were called the hit men. So he would, uh, I, I was one of the hit men. We would come in and, and play, uh, um, play on recordings that other people did. I got to get on Mickey Thomas's recording uh, for my record fantasy. I, I, I was, I was not able to sing on top, of course, because it was pretty much all electronica stuff, and there's not much of a, uh, a calling for trombone on, on the uh, electronica stuff. Um, I, I had a wonderful time. The three days were incredible. I, w- I felt almost like one of the campers in in the way of um, in the way of being nervous and. Um, you know, not being tongue-tied and not being able to uh, really, really relax and just go with the flow, because I had been a fan of his uh, for as long as everybody else had. You know, um, but well, you fit right in. You were part of the team, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it felt like it felt like it. I met some incredible people, especially the people, the non-Americans. I mean. I mean, uh, um, you know, Kevin Stoker was immediately. Yes. I, I hooked up with Kevin uh, Stoker. We were both smokers, so we we were outside having having our fags, and um, and you know he was very cool, and especially Daniel too, the guitar player. Oh yeah. Oh boy. He was an incredible oh, guy, a friendly guy, and yeah. and we're gonna get to Daniel here later in the show if we get a chance. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I finally fondly remember him meeting him, and and Susan Leonard, of course. And I don't remember everybody else's name, but I I took like hundreds of pictures, so so I should be able to connect the face with the name. And and you know I've said, I I hadn't been um, really involved with any kind of Todd Rundgren Society um, uh, groups or anything like that before. And it totally opened my eyes to how incredibly loved and um, and respected he is by all these obscure people all over the world. 
it, it, you know, it's another blow away for me. So, so Ralph, I got one question for you, and then we're going to have to move on. So, um, a number of the people that are in the chat room and are on the show tonight actually participated in that uh, number with David Johansson on the third night at Strikes. So we had, uh, you know, drummers and percussionists. And I, I seem to recall when I was reviewing all of the video that you guys had the horn section up there. So what was that like to be playing horn section with David? Well, that that was, uh, uh, you mean Dexter? Yeah, Dexter Poindexter. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. We had a chance to uh, to jot down some, some charts and uh, rehearse earlier. Um, and so, you know, we were sitting in Chuck's office and and um, and listening to our things and just jotting down some stuff. Um, that was a lot of fun. The, the tenor sax player, his name is Billy Slayers, and he's he's played with uh, Mickey Thomas uh, over the years and, and, and Craig Chautauqua. And and let's see. Um, it, it was wonderful, and and I, you know, I get to look over. We're we're playing for um, for David, but also um, the horn section was up for Mickey Thomas for his set or three songs or whatever. And and I I had the pleasure of just standing there and looking over to my right, and my God, I'm playing music with Todd Rundgren, and there he is singing. <laughs> you know, it it was, it was a, an experience, I tell you. You know, I was on on uh, on a high for about a month after that. Well, you're uh, you're part of a uh, a family now because yeah, there's a number of us that over the years have gotten to go to Todd's uh, summer camps and and uh, occasionally Todd will get up and and play with the campers and so it's it's a real treat. It's something that uh, we all you know have dreamed about and and a few of us have actually gotten a chance and it's. It's uh, it's it's definitely been the highlight of our musical careers in some cases. Absolutely, thank you for uh, accepting me into the family, and um, and I, yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just hang on here and, and listen for to the rest of the thing. I'm I'm excited to hear from uh, Kevin and David, or I mean um, Daniel, or anybody else. Okay, we'll take All it from right. there. Okay, so thank you to our 916 guys. Really appreciate y'all being on, and I'm sorry y'all had to wait for so long. But, uh, you know, we're live. We can't help it. Anyway, oh, yeah, thank yeah, you, yeah. guys. I remember no I remember meeting you too, Mel, up in South Lake Tahoe. You're correct. I thought you were a friend of mine from high school. <laughs> oh, oh, is that right? I think I went up and gave you a big old hug. <laughs> And then, and then you realized, oh, do I know that guy? <laughs> really? No, I there did you know you. I just didn't. I couldn't put your face, but uh, I do remember that night very well. I'm surprised that you do, but that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, th- that was just a week later after the after the uh, the fantasy um, camp. Oh, was so, it? Wow, that I, was a long time ago. Yeah, nine years ago, boy. I'm. I, rem- I just remember uh, a few um, really important things in this, the embarrassment that I, that really sticks. <laughs> the embarrassment of the Bellevue uh, brew fiasco. Mm-hmm. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Well, my recollection of Bella Brew is that Todd probably wasn't too bent out of shape. I have a photo somewhere. That was a two-martini lunch. 
So I'm sure Todd was jaw spawning. Well, I well taken remember care. him saying, oh, yeah, well, I, I sure wish I had a chord here. <laughs> wish I had a, a, an instrument chord I could play here. I'll just have to do this. I didn't know that okay. his glasses kept falling off. Yes, they did. It's on the video. We had a good okay, time. Good, good. Thanks, Ralph. Okay. Thanks, guys. Okay. Well, so Mel, moving right along here, before we run out of time, we've got uh, some ground to cover. But one of the biggest things about the camp was these nightly jams. Now, the the third night, the one we were talking about with um, with Mike and with Ralph, were that was more of a staged concert where some of the campers still got to participate, but it was not really a jam. It was more of a concert kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the Monday night and Tuesday night were really uh, – Pretty much, you know, people that were campers got to go up on stage at random, and depending upon the song, you know, they would they would participate in whatever the the band was playing. And the first night was at a place called Pearl on the River, and it was very crowded upstairs, hotter than heck, really jammed in there, not a lot of room to move around, but people were just elbowing each other like crazy because they wanted to get up and play. So there's a little story that we'll we'll talk about as we do our next clips around that one and then um tuesday night was a place called um tex wasabis uh, that was owned by guy fieri i don't think it's still in uh sacramento anymore but the uh the setup was completely different there were a lot of public uh, participants at that one much larger room and we could probably spend a whole night just talking about uh the jam sessions but just to give the listeners a little bit of a uh, flavor of what happened. Um, our Nixton is from Monday night, and it was a young man, literally a young man. Some of the band house band members knew. His name's James Hunter, and uh, he was an incredible uh, blues player for being, you know, fairly young. And so there's a really short clip of James playing guitar along with Todd and the rest of the house band. Okay, we're doing uh, number seven. Yeah. Okay, we'll jump to that one. Here we go.
right. So, you know, the only problem there is that uh, the sound for this was taken right off of the camera as opposed to off the board. Uh, and oh, it was don't worry about it. We're, we're loving it. Yeah. Don't worry about things like that. All right. Well, it, it definitely overwhelmed the microphone on that camera. But you get the idea. This guy was hot, man. That yeah. kid gets oh, sure. the blues or something else. But uh, the purpose for doing that particular clip is that uh, we had one of our campers that had taken the stage to play tambourine. And so uh, we referred to him, you know, uh, affectionately as Tambourine Man. And uh, it was uh, one of those things where we just, you know, couldn't get him to come off the stage. We didn't have a hook. We didn't have any way to entice him (laughs) off the stage. He was pretty much up there all night. So uh, our next clip is actually from the uh, guitar player that was part, I call it a house band, uh, Jeff Tamalier. Um, Jeff's the Bay Area guitar player that's played with uh, Tower of Power over the years. He's an excellent guitar player. And right. uh, I've seen him just in the last couple of years play with uh, Prairie and Bobby Vega uh, locally at some of the venues in, in Oakland and San Francisco. But um, this next clip is a focal interview. This was a series of interviews that they did with each of the the band members, their you know views and insights and experience uh, during the camp. Here we go. Jeff Tamalier. Uh, today, uh, Todd and um, some of us are going to be deciding who is uh, going to actually make it onto the record. I think there's about six drummers. I mean, there's so many people at this one compared to the other ones. Uh, was there four or five guitar players? So he actually has a lot of thinking to do. So that's what will happen, and I think we're going to go to lunch and uh, play a little acoustic music and then back to the, the nightclub. So who, out of who you've seen, who's going to make the record? Who do you like? Well, my opinion, um, you know, all the drummers, I thought most of the players, I didn't see anybody bad, you know, so it's kind of a tough Normally there's somebody really bad, which makes for good TV, right, guys? Um, but I didn't see anybody that, you know, kind of fell on their face. Everybody can kind of play. So it's a tough choice. I don't know. It's uh, um, the, uh, the guitar player with the glasses, I think he's Russian. He was really good. Brazilian Dan- Daniel? Oh, he's Brazilian. Oops. <laughs> Sorry, Moscow. Um uh, he was good. Um, there were some good drummers. The female drummer from London was good. Uh, singers were good. Didn't you think? Last night at the jam session. How yeah, that, that was really fun. You know, jams are crazy, man. They're you know they get a little chaotic, and it did at that, but that's part of a jam session, so, you know, what was cool was, I mean, everybody was really anxious to get up there and play, you didn't see anybody kind of holding back, they were pushing each other out of the way to get up there, especially Tambourine Man. <laughs> so, as far as, like, being... He was not going to leave, he was, he was, you know, you got to admire that, man. So, what was that about, tell us about that guy. Um, well... He just kind of stood in one place, and he played tambourine on every song. And he actually asked me, he goes, hey, where's my tambourine? I said, uh, look at your left hand. He goes, oh, okay, thanks. So, so True he, story. He, he was probably a little bit, he had a couple of drinks maybe? Not as much as me, but, yeah, he might have had, had a few. To the point where he didn't know the tambourine was going to change? Possibly. You know, we can ask him. We will. Uh, 
so for that for you, client, you you like having him up there or was it a no? Turn the camera off. <laughs> you like that cut? <laughs> I do. Uh, so there, there, there was a little bit like little the one smidgen of drama right there for the reality show. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, and then Todd played into it the next day. So our next cut is, uh, you know, I think we're getting set up to go either to to dinner or something. Um, at the end of the day. And so uh, to kind of close out that little vignette with the jam session and Jeff's comments, uh, we got one more cut. Okay. The little Number shortcut nine. here. Okay. Number here nine. <laughs> okay. Very important announcement to make during tonight's jam session. There will be no tambourine. together on that and make it a real gang war, okay? <laughs> so you're all going to get your names on this record one way or another. <laughs> oh, I Now I remember Tambourine Man. I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that uh, clip's kind of set us up for, uh, you know, the whole thing with Walk Like a Man and the, uh, the clapping, and then people, you know, they're going to be able to record their voices as a chorus doing you know, walk and talk that you can hear on the reproduction version of Walk Like a Man that Todd did. And uh, we'll have a clip uh, on that one, I think, around number 12 coming up. But um, the next one actually on the list is advice from uh, Kasten Sultan and Todd uh, just for the bass players. So this was, you know, kind of the pep talk equivalent to the drummer pep talk. Uh, so this is the, the bass player pep talk. Okay, here we go. These guys can talk whenever okay. you're ready. All right. So, guys, you, you two guys are, are going to be auditioning for the base uh, for the base spot. That's right. And the main thing that I can that I could tell you impart a little bit of wisdom to you is just really focus on the drums. Mm-hmm. Focus on making sure that you're playing as close to what Prairie's playing as possible, mm-hmm. tempo-wise. And and try and listen to what his foot is playing. What I what I try and do, and I'm sure Bobby and Larry will. will agree with me is that um, you always try and, and accentuate what the bass drum is playing with your bass playing. Because you know? it's, it's really a highly percussive instrument. You know, yeah. And the other thing is the bass player is next in line after the lead guitar player for the groupies. So you ah. yeah. keep that in mind. If you feel like you know, dropping it down and doing a little of that. You yeah. know, I knew Todd would have the most important in. information. Is that true, Kevin? That is everybody that the lead singer and guitar player don't get. <laughs> right, okay. exactly. You get the spillover. All right. You get a spillover. Take that advice and live with it. All about that. All right. But just have fun, man. Have a good time and and you know and just concentrate on on what you're doing. All right. Okay. Thank. Very good. Yeah. I had to throw that one. There was a bunch of those ad libs and and stuff that you'll never hear on the. On the DVD, but you know we've got a bunch of outtakes and things, and that's what yeah. we did the show tonight. So I wanted to highlight some of those. 
But uh, without uh, too much delay here, we need to get on to uh, hearing a little bit from Daniel. Um, yeah. This is actually going to be Daniel's audition, uh, not Daniel recording Walk Like a Man. He, he actually you know, did the guitar for Walk Like a Man on the album. But uh, uh, the opening dialogue with Todd, uh, and I think even Michelle's on this one, uh, with Daniel was precious. And so I thought, well, let's, let's play this one. It's, it's got a lot of interest on the front end. Here we go. Daniel, um, now they're pretty small, and I forget, is that I is back? Yes, back. Yes, back. Yes, back. Yes, back. I wasn't sure that was an L, but it is a capital I, right? Yeah. What bad eyes. <laughs> uh, we're going to do prime time with you. Yeah, we're going to get that international feel on it. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Look, my international feel oh, right yes, here. We're going to get the <laughs> we're going to get the Doctor Love version here. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't come in with platforms. Though. No, I have. I have. You have the platforms. Are you like in a Kiss tribute band or something like that? I was. You were back when I was 20, 21. Ah. <laughs> don't laugh at me. Found the guitar center. You want that guitar? Just for you, baby. I love you. <laughs> oh, I get to keep it? <laughs> no, no. That is Chasm. What's that? Chasm. So Chasm. He was here a little while ago. He's probably. He fell asleep somewhere. He's with my phone. He's got your phone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he ran off with his phone. I recorded uh, the Magic Dragon Theater song, all instrumental. Oh, so he's listening to that song. Yeah, yeah, I would love you to listen. Oh, yeah, definitely. I want to listen to that. That's a challenge. Okay, we're doing prime time with Daniel. All right, ready?
I bet I could pay him less, too. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrific. Man of a thousand inversions, right? Just like he didn't. No print goes unused. That was terrific. Man knows his T chords. His T chords. Oh, yeah. Okay. Terrific idea. All right, we're, we're not having band auditions yet, all right? So just for the record. <laughs> terrific, Danny. Daniel, he didn't want to stop playing. No, man, he uh, he was in his element. <laughs> Mr. Jukebox, his name a tune, he starts playing it. So. Oh yeah, wow! Awesome Who knew movie. that that we would uh, eventually get Daniel to be a member of Secret Society with you, Bruce? Well, and that's the thing, you know. Um, Secret Society was born out of this camp. Um, mm-hmm. You know the the prime motivator, mo, mo, you know, dude was Mr. Jamie Van Vert. He kept track of all of us, and so I think um, Tim Longfellow is in the chat room tonight. I've got uh, myself. Uh, I don't haven't seen Jamie, but maybe he's there. And then we picked up, um, as I recall, um, uh, a friend of Tim's. Uh, to play drums for us, and Secret Society was born. Right. That's exactly right. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I like that, listening to his audition. If it hadn't been for uh, uh, My Record Fantasy, yeah, Secret Society would never have been born. Well, there you go. Happy birthday. (laughs) Hey, thank you. So uh, uh, that whole thing about the getting everybody on the record and doing uh, studio work for Walk Like a Man uh, became our next little project here. So uh, Todd gathered us all in the studio. I think it was the morning of the third day, and we had to be very, very quiet um, because, you know, we're recording the whole group at once off the microphones. So here he is, you know, uh, Maestro Todd standing in front of this group of like 20 some people and getting ready to cue them to say, you know, when they're going to say walk and then, you know, number of beats and talk. And then at the end, we'll all cheer, but you'll hear this in a second. And there's a tagline he puts, you have to listen carefully for because it is important as I further explain the story of what happened after that. But here's um, the group of people that did, Walk and Talk, the group I refer to as the Walkie Talkies. Here it goes. Talk! Walk! Talk! Walk! Talk! Walk! Let's go dig ourselves. (laughs) 
Well, so, you know, uh, once you're in the studio and you want to go hear the playback, you go into the to the boardroom and uh, where, where, you know, the production room and, and listen to the playback. And so that's why, yeah, let's go dig ourselves. So um, when we later had to organize the team to get together and figure out how we're going to get the, the DVDs produced and the video produced, we referred to all the people that participated as diggers because, you know, we'd go dig ourselves. Let's go dig so, ourselves. That's right. <laughs> you got it. Super. Um, hey, guess so, what? We've got a, 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 a nice little caller. Mr. Jamie Van Wert, I believe, is on the phone. Hello. Oh, put him on. Put Hi, him Melvin. On. Hey, Bruce. Hey, mister. Hey. What's going on? Hey, uh, the show's been great We'd so be far. I'm glad I cleared my busy social calendar tonight to be uh, to be listening. I will uh, rearrange my sock drawer tomorrow night. Okay. Are you eating grilled cheese already, buddy? Uh, yeah, no breakfast at this time, Bruce. <laughs> so you want to share a quick memory? Because we do have a couple more clips, but they're – they're somewhat short, and so we've got five or ten minutes to uh, shoot the, you know, what, what yeah, what's going on? What did you think well, of going to fantasy camp? It was great. My, my two best memories are um, while a lot of those auditions were going on, because they took hours, um, a bunch of us were in another room, um, and a few guitar players, maybe uh, like Daniel, is Beck and Robert Warwis, uh, maybe uh, Roy Swanson. Uh, they, they grab some acoustic guitars. And um, so we're two rooms removed from where the auditions are going on. And we just started having our own little private jam session. And I remember Mickey Thomas walking in right in the midst of it. And he said, oh, you're having a bit of a hootenanny in here. And uh, he, we couldn't get him to join in, but he just passed through. I, I remember that. And then obviously when Bruce, I don't remember which day it was, but was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Um, it must've been Wednesday when they turned over the studio to the campers. And that's when um, we had um, basically just uh, free reign of the studio. And we started jamming on Todd songs and we had uh, Chris Landis on keyboards um, mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Longfellow on the Hammond. Uh, we had uh, probably uh, uh, David Zimelis on the drums. Uh, uh, Daniel on the guitar. Uh, Robert Warwick on guitar. Bruce playing bass. We had a couple singers. And all we would just do was just call out a title and unrehearse. We were just playing. We must have done that for a couple hours. Um, that those are my best memories. And as Bruce said, um, that situation just created so many long-term friendships, um, still in touch with so many people. It's great to hear uh, Mike and Ralph. Um, hey guys, it's uh, been nine years. Um, haven't talked to you guys, but it's great to hear you. But uh, it was uh, unbelievable. Actually, it was interesting too. As Bruce mentioned, the Secret Society Band, um, was born at this record fantasy camp. And um, I was talking to Michelle Rundgren about that um, last year in uh, Falls Church, Virginia, before a Todd show. And she was not aware that, uh, uh, that we, we kind of, that was the genesis of the band. 
But oh, is that uh, right? She didn't uh, get the connection, huh? That's interesting. No, she did not get the connection. Um, but uh, yeah, great memories. And uh, listening to, re- to these recordings, it actually reminds me of things I had completely forgotten about because, um, the, <laughs> especially at night, there, there was there was a lot of drinking going on. Thanks oh, to Mike yeah. Artis, who made sure that we were filled to the rim. Oh, my well, goodness. Well, slide, yeah. <laughs> hey, well, Jamie, um, I do have one clip here. Maybe we could play it while you're on the air and you could comment. Um, it segues nicely. We had a song that was played in the green room, and I think it was you and Daniel and uh, Laura Botton. Uh, so, um, Mel, I don't know if you can cue up uh, number 13 here. Yeah, we got it. Okay, here we go. Don Flovin was probably in the background on that one too. I think I heard him there, and that yes, was that, uh, like you know, Don. that was the green room version. So that was the Hootenanny version. Uh, and of course, uh, you referenced the uh, the last day, um, you know, more of a jam session. And yeah, we've got a lot of good footage of that. I didn't include any of it for the for the show tonight, but uh, I must have probably a good 25, 30 minutes of footage just on those jam sessions. They were amazing. And uh, a lot of the folks got in on those. I remember um, uh, Joan Carlson, Deanne Cher. um, I think Laura was singing backup vocals. Even our host, Mitch, got in and came into the room and was singing backup vocals with the rest of the team. Yeah, that was, that was uh, such a great time. Um, and again, what's amazing is that Bruce, we're we're all probably all close friends that the, that whole group that was in the studio that day. It's true. It's true. Well, I'll tell you what, well, Rundgren Radio is very very happy that that event happened and that you all got to meet each other because uh, you've been superstars at several of our parties that we've had, and uh, it's a it's. It's really fun for me personally, since I was there in Sacramento and I got to see the start of y'all's friendships and jamming and grooving, and uh, now you guys are just amazing. Everyone loves Secret Society. Well, Yay. we thank you. We we witnessed all the fun that John Paul Haida and the Hermits of Mink Halloween were having, so we wanted that, we wanted it on the fun, basically. Mm-hmm. We, we're jealous. We were jealous, yes. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and She-Ra. Don't forget She-Ra. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if well, you have anything have, else to add, uh, we do have one more caller, but uh, we can probably give just a couple of minutes to. Um, Jamie, I can keep you on the line if you want to uh, 
still join in. It's, I think, I think this is Don Slovin. So uh, we're getting ready to pick you up. Hold on, Don. Hang on. I'm coming. Okay, Don Slovin. You've got like three minutes. (laughs) Don? 917. Okay, well, you missed your shot. Okay. All right. Anyway, we love talking to you, Jamie. I just didn't want to keep somebody holding. <laughs> well, sorry well, so to miss Don. Uh, he's, a, he's a good friend, too. He yeah. come back. Yeah. So, so let's so, try just our last clip here. Yeah, if you got time. Right. And, um, well, I don't know. We've still got a couple things on the list. Did you want to talk about the DVD, or do you want to go with the last clip? That's a, that's a good point. We should probably talk a little bit about the DVD first. So, okay, I'll tell um, you what. The, uh, the, yeah. the final clip is about four minutes, almost five minutes, uh, and I would like to get that played before we close. So let's say at 25 after, we pass it on to the next clip, and then that'll be it. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Well, here's the backstory, folks. This is the big expose. This was the saga of the impounded video files featuring the Shadow Team. So as I probably told you earlier in this episode, the Shadow Team was composed of Robert Warwas from uh, Texas, I believe, and then there was uh, David Zimelis, who at the time was in L.A. I think he lives in Portland now, and then our friend Susan Leonard from over in Morden in the UK. And uh, what had happened was at the end of the My Record Fantasy, uh, we all were supposed to get a bunch of swag. We got some photos. We got posters. We got uh, a really cool, um, although inexpensive, guitar. That would have been probably a you know $7,500 knockoff Stratocaster, but it was all signed by the... Uh, the rock stars. So it's uh, hanging on my wall here at home, you know, signed by Todd and Perry and David Johansson and Mickey Thomas. It's a really cool guitar. So that was included with the price of admission, but we were supposed to get a CD or DVD uh, with all this footage that had been taken during the course of the camp. And of course they were also going to, you know, go into production and actually make this into a television show uh, or at least a, a web, you know, broadcast show. And so we'd all see ourselves and go get to dig ourselves on on TV. Well, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. There was, I guess, a problem with funding. And the the video company didn't get paid at the end of the Microsoft Fantasy Camp or when we did. And so they wouldn't release the video. So we gave uh, our host, Mitch, a long, long time. I think it was probably close to a year to try to straighten out the – situation and get the get the uh, footage uh, uh, you know out of escrow and it didn't happen so a bunch of us took it upon ourselves to contact Mitch and work out a deal and it took a long time because there were a lot of legal entities involved you had uh, Panacea Productions or yeah we had Panacea we had Gigatone Records um, we had the My Record Fantasy entity You, you can understand there's a lot of parties involved so it took a long long time now we had the advantage that david's wife is a lawyer and we also had uh susan who is the equivalent 
of an attorney in the in the UK does corporate law. And so we had all these coaches and people working on this. Well, it took, get this, another year of that team working together to try to hammer out an agreement and get it done. But uh, at the end, what we had was the rights to produce, I think, enough copies for all of the campers, plus enough to be able to give some to the other people that were band members, uh, house band members, etc. And what we produced was a two DVD set was kind of the making of the My Record Fantasy Camp. It's literally like two hours and 49 minutes of video that went through a lot of the uh, audio clips that you heard tonight, but you know, you know, a lot of these came from the, the uh, outtakes. But then there was another separate DVD that was just the auditions. So all the people that had signed up to get a copy of the DVD at least got the footage of their audition and Todd's comments and, and all that. So big success story came out of it, but it just it took literally two years to hammer the deal out and, and get it all produced and get it distributed. But you know, there's so few copies of it around. That's why most people have never heard of My Record Fantasy, never heard of any of this. Um, and so uh, that that's kind of the story. Now, the uh, the folks that were supposed to receive one that were campers, uh, just as I mentioned earlier, we called them the diggers. Uh, go dig ourselves. And then uh, the four people I want to give credit to for sticking it out and persevering and, and working on this so hard are the shadow team. And big big round of applause for those folks. True, true, because uh, this has been a really cool show. Uh, I've loved all of it. So, um, Excellent. yeah, that was such a mess, and it's so unfortunate, too. But I guess it's kind of worked out now, huh? At this point, you got, yeah. You got the audio years, at least. A little bit. Well, I've got actually the, a lot of the videos still on hard disk that a few of the other team members now have copies of. So if somebody has the time and wants to start pawing through some of these, uh, we can use them in limited use as long as we give uh, credit to the appropriate copyright holders. Right, right. But I was just well, thinking, you know, maybe this will be a you know, future Rungan Radio birthday party. We could do a screening of the, uh, of the uh, at least the making of DVD. Well, if it's possible, yeah. Heck yeah. I know uh, people. We can get that hooked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I better queue up this last clip, and then we're going to close it out. Now, as part okay. of yeah. some of the um, – uh, the the crew in order to do the show wanted to have well, like the uh, the Jeff Tamalier focal interview. They did a really long one with Catham, and one of the questions they asked Catham was, uh, "Is there like a funny story or you know an interesting story of all the years that you've been on the road?" So, as we close it out tonight, thank everybody for attending. Uh, this is Catham's tumbleweed story. If you've never heard this before. Okay, I want to thank all of our guests, including you, Bruce, for being a gracious co-host and providing us with all these clips and whatnot. And the people that called in and talked, uh, I don't know, we had Jamie Van Wert, we had Ralph Davies, we had Mike Martis, we had uh, David Zemelis, uh, maybe that's all of them, I don't know, I didn't finish taking my notes. And sorry, Don Sloven, that uh, you didn't hear that I was trying to contact you but there'll be other shows everybody good night and listen to Casim's story maybe share with us uh, some maybe a, a story or two just 
over the years, you, you and Todd have spent a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. Do you have a story that maybe somebody hasn't heard before that, you know, you've, I'm sure you've been on a lot of adventures together. Yeah. And anything just kind of stand out of, um, that you could share with us? Yeah, I, I mean, you... You know, and whenever anybody asks me, do you have a, a story that no one's ever heard? I, and then I'm, I'm, it kind of puts me on the spot, and I can't really think of one. And usually, a lot of times, more often than not, I have a story in the back of my mind that I say, I, you know, I should tell people about that. And then, because I'm old, I forget about it. But um, I will tell you one story that uh, during the first tour, I was, I, I mean, I was as green as you could possibly be. I was a just, I was a kid. I had not been out of New York State, maybe down to the Jersey Shore uh, when I joined Utopia. And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, taking planes to Europe and playing with Led Zeppelin and uh, the Rolling Stones and um, meeting Paul McCartney and, uh, you know, just, I mean, I, I was... It, it looking back at it, it it was it was a lot of um, it was a lot of information at once for, for me, and it's only now that I can really appreciate it and look back and say, wow, I really had a um, or have a great career. But uh, there was one time we were um, we we were doing this tour. Uh, it was called the Raw Tour, and um, we had this huge set that we carried around with us. It was a big uh, 25-foot metal pyramid that we'd set up on stage every night uh, with a sphinx head behind it, a, a 15-foot high sphinx head. Well, maybe it was even higher than that. I don't, I don't know. Uh, with big paws. And, and there was a, the, the show culminated in, um, in us doing uh, a song that, rec- that uh, everybody had a solo in. And, and each band member, there was four of us, each band member was an element. One was fire, one was earth, one was uh, wind, and one was water. Um, I was wind and the crew. So what would happen is I, I, I would come to the bass solo in the song. I was a bass player in a band. They would come to the bass solo in the song and they would turn these huge industrial fans on and blow um, dry ice fog or theater smoke onto the stage so it looked like the wind was blowing and my hair was blowing and uh, and I'm playing my solo, and the the crew thought uh, we were traveling from probably somewhere in Texas to the West Coast, and the crew thought that it would be really, really great to have a tumbleweed um, roll across stage while I did my solo. Now, I don't know if anybody uh, knows anything about tumbleweeds, but they are not light. Number one, they're very, very heavy, and they're also nothing but thorns. So you have this. So now I didn't even know this, but the the crew had stopped their crew bus uh, on the way from Texas to the wherever we were going, or Arizona, maybe somewhere in Arizona, and picked up a tumbleweed, put it in the bay, and the next day uh, set up for the show and didn't tell me about it. We're just going to roll this tumbleweed out while I did my solo. Well, they they rolled the tumbleweed out. They they it, and the tumbleweed was probably about maybe four feet high. Yeah, maybe four feet high and about four feet around. And it weighed probably about maybe 50 pounds. And it was nothing but thorns. So they pushed this uh, tumbleweed out on stage, and it, it nearly knocked me over right, and stuck to my pants 
while I'm playing my solo on stage, stuck to me and wouldn't move. It wouldn't go anywhere. It's not like it rolled across the stage like the wind was blowing it, like you see in the movies, like a tumbleweed rolling across it. No, it just like rolled down on stage. This huge blob in the middle of the stage with me stuck to it, and I had to play the rest of my solo with a, with a tumbleweed attached to me. Um, and I think I, I think I got mad at the crew for doing that. But looking back on it, it was just that's one of the good stories. Yeah. Hi everybody, this is Todd Rundgren and you're listening to RundgrenRadio.com.